Good evening, Dumb Nation. Dumb Nation are the Don't Unfriend Me's. It's not an insult. This is Breaking Truth, and this is episode 19. It's great to have you here tonight. What are we talking about? Well, China, Russia, Iran, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. There's more and more conversation about these countries invading the United States and taking us over little Julius Caesar or Genghis Khan style. And I'm here to tell you, relax. I'm going to tell you a story. Uncle Matt's got you. I'm going to give you a few mops of bread and some milk and put you right to bed. Everything's going to be okay after this lullaby. I'll be right back. Thanks for watching Breaking Truth, and please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and follow. Please do. Please like, share, subscribe, and follow. It means a great deal to me. Who am I? My name is Matthew Spear. I'm the host of Don't Unfriend Me and Breaking Truth, and I've been doing this with Amy and Leroy for a little bit, and we bring you some current events, topics, politics, all of that. Like I said, give me a follow at Don't Unfriend Me Show if you wouldn't mind across all my social media. Let's get to it now because I know you're chomping at the bit to hear your bedtime story so you can sleep tonight in your cozy, cozy bed. Has anyone ever seen the movie Red Dawn? It's one of my favorites. I love it. I grew up with it. I think it's one of the absolute best. While the premise looks good, though, on the screen, a twin pincer attack, one, a parachute invasion of the Great Plains, followed by an overland invasion up from Mexico by Hispanic troops led by Cubans and followed up by Russians. The second pincer comes across from Alaska through Canada, trying to link up with the first pincer. Only trouble with John Miles's premise is logistics. Like most wars, World War II was won and lost by logistics. And modern intelligence gathering. There is no way the two invasions could be supplied. A logistics tale across the Bering Sea through Alaska and across the Canadian Rockies, really, through the GF Gap, where we have Sonus Nets? I don't think so. Seriously? The first pincer might have a chance if ports in the Gulf of Mexico were seized. Then again, since the movie was made pre-NAFTA was passed and the USMCA and highways from Mexico were improved, probably not. The big sticking point is in the Southwest. And I don't think the U.S. would have any qualms irradiating the deserts of Arizona and Texas to stop an overland invasion. Hell, we set off plenty of nukes down there in the past anyway. Interdiction of both invasions would be pretty easy since the logistics tale was as long or longer than those in World War II. But neither Mexico, Cuba, or Nicaragua have an industrial base large enough to support the armies necessary so all the goodies would have to come from Mother Russia, or Sister Iran, or Big Brother China. It's not going to happen. After Pearl Harbor in 1941, there was hysteria that the Japanese were going to invade Hawaii, and maybe even California. Our military was so small at the time, and it was one of the smallest in the world, surprisingly enough, before we ramped up in World War II, and most of the ships that were to prevent it were sucking the mud in Hawaii's harbor. So to the uneducated, the threat was very real. And it doesn't make you dumb. It just means you're ignorant of the facts until you study the facts. That's okay. We all are ignorant from time to time. I've 
worn that label occasionally. But what most military people knew and know now is that the Japanese did not have the necessary naval capacity to launch an invasion and sustain it. An amphibious invasion is a huge undertaking, and the U.S., the premier force in that realm then and now, had to learn on the fly. Luckily, the U.S. Marines, always wanting to stay relevant and have a job, had been studying invasions in the 1930s in response to their changing role. What most people do not know is once upon a time, their Marines were simply shipboard infantry who fought off the fighting tops of the sailing ships like mercenaries. But they're not mercenaries. Don't call them that. My gosh. On occasion, they did go ashore by boat and make landings. They did this in the Civil War. And this is where it began. Later, when ships went to coal-powered steam engines, the navies of the world realized that to get to point A from point B, you needed coal. So coaling stations had to be procured and stocked. So the Marines' new role was to seize islands for coaling stations and to protect them. Marine defensive battalions were formed to defend those island bases. Technological advances came along and put coal out of business. It was oil now. No, not the Democrats, just natural attrition. And oil could be transferred underway from tanker ship to tanker ship. So coaling stations became obsolete. So the Marines went looking for a new job and they found it in seizing and securing unsinkable aircraft carriers called islands. So in WW2, that is what they did. They and the Army, using United States Marine Corps doctrine, carried out hundreds of amphibious landings. In fact, the U.S. Army did more landings than the Marines, but don't tell them that, and had more ships and landing craft than the U.S. Navy. Don't tell the Navy that. As they learned on the fly, they realized that special ships and craft were needed to even more specialized ships and craft were needed to control and command all the other ships. In the end, a plethora of specialized gunfire support craft, infantry landing craft, armor, and vehicle landing craft were created and built by thousands. This did well for the economy and the size of our military. On the earlier invasions where a cruiser or battleship was used as the floating command post, they found that the shock of the big guns firing disabled the large number of radios needed to maintain contact with the troops on the shore. So specialized command ships were built and equipped, LCCs. The LCC-19 Blue Ridge is one of them. Just ask me, I happen to have a little bit of knowledge about it. Did you realize that literally hundreds of typists were needed on those ships to make the hundreds, if not thousands, of copies of written command and operational orders needed to be sent down the chain of command? There were no copy machines in those days. Everything was typed and carbon copies were made. A lot of these pesky details of history get lost in our lives, filled with instant communication via text, emails, and other electronic forms of communication, and shows that just try to get to the point so you go ahead and click through and go to the next video. I like to be thorough. We'll get to the whole point of what does this have to do with people invading the United States. And my point is, if it took the U.S. five years and all her considerable industrial might to perfect the invasion... The Japanese had not a prayer in doing it, but we did not know it due to lack of good intelligence. Today, the level of logistical and military buildup necessary to launch the invasions portrayed in the movie would be impossible due to satellite and drone reconnaissance. Sixty years ago, we were able to detect the installation of missiles in Cuba. So today, 
I think it would be a minor thing to see the naval buildup necessary to carry several armies across the Bering Sea and to equip several more in Mexico along the U.S. border. No country is 100% safe, but the U.S. is pretty damn safe. To invade it, you would have to deal with the U.S. Navy, which uses over 10 of these. And also these. Plus, a good bunch of these. For those on the podcast, I'm showing a crap ton of boats and ships. Warships, to be exact. And if you manage to get through the Navy, you would still have to get through the Air Force, which uses these. And these. Now, if somehow you manage to get through the Navy and the Air Force, you would have to defeat the U.S. Army, which uses these. And the U.S. could use these against any attacking country as well. And if anyone gets really froggy and they manage to go ahead and get to the southern areas of the United States or the eastern seaboard, we can always use these. And it doesn't necessarily mean we would use them on U.S. soil, but that threatening country understands that that is what is known as the nuclear option. Now, don't get on me for saying nuclear the way I say it, okay? It's said differently in parts of the world and on the West and East Coast. Everyone always does. So to that smug person, probably Lee, I hear you. But more importantly, if you beat all of that and you somehow deal with the elbow growing out of your forehead, forehead because of the radiation, you're going to have to deal with something known as the U.S. citizens. The U.S., has 120 guns for every 100 people. Good luck. Sleep tight, in your, sleep tight in your bed, folks. We're not going to have an invasion anytime soon. It's probably going to be economic or power, industry, or food. Something like that has a much better chance than a full-fledged invasion. There is no country on the planet, even with combined forces, who can pull off something that large. Nuclear is a possibility. Don't get on me for saying it that way. But also, the biggest threats to our country right now are famine and energy, and also someone hacking our systems. All of these things are very realistic and a hell of a lot cheaper than killing a billion people. Folks, thanks for watching me tonight. I appreciate it. If you would not mind, please give me a follow, like, and share where I told you to go at Don't Unfriend Me Show across all my social media. I would greatly appreciate it. Last but not least, of course, this is in the wrong spot from the live show last night. Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255, press 1. 22 veterans commit suicide a day. Please do me a favor. Let's not have another one. Traumatic brain injury, PTS, anxiety, and depression are all very real, and veterans struggle. Please use this number. It's 100% anonymous and free of charge, and you don't have to be a veteran to use it. Mental health is physical health, and veterans need our help desperately. Folks, thanks for watching. God bless. And remember, 8.30 tonight will be live Monday through Friday, and we have our recorded show, Breaking Truth, and the Don't Unfriend Me show. Have a wonderful evening, and I will see you soon.
Thanks for watching Breaking Truth, and please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and follow.